Christmas Sunday, and I know it's a lot different this year. Uh, we usually have all one service and get everybody together, but it's a little, little different, and yet it is still usually, for a lot of people, called the most wonderful time of the year. But you know, it's not always for everybody the most wonderful time of the year. Christmas can also be a time when people really go through uh, a lot of depression and discouragement and uh, relive memories of, of pain and loss. And so we really need the Lord during this time, and we need each other right now. And I hope you'll come out to the Candlelight Service Wednesday evening. It starts at 7 o'clock, and it's a service for the whole family. No nurseries, no children's or youth ministries, everybody together experiencing the joy of Christmas. And be praying uh, for each other this week. We still do have a lot of people uh, who are out sick and uh, pray especially for Brother Ben Mannon, uh, who's been sick for about seven or eight days now. And I know that there's been uh, just some really difficult things going on in our church family. We had uh, one of our pastors in the Congo Project uh, that passed away this last week, Pastor Simplis, and he ho uh, hosted our Peace Congo meetings several times when we were there uh, the last couple of years. And we also had one of our dear ladies who lost her father this week. Uh, just a lot of people to pray for right now. And I got a text right before church. My dad is taking my mom in uh, to be tested because she had a fever and some things uh, overnight. So I know everybody's praying for a different set of folks, but we all need to be praying for each other. Well, on this Christmas Sunday, uh, Anybody have an idea where we might be going in the scriptures, right? I think you could figure it out. Now, it could be a trick question because I have been known to do some out-of-the-way texts on special Sundays like this. Uh, but our text for this morning is Luke chapter 2. And some of you already cheated and knew that because it's at the top of your notes. Okay, so the notes are provided in your bulletin this morning and on the YouVersion app, and we're going to read the traditional set of scriptures for the Christmas story this morning that come from Luke chapter 2. It's great to have some folks from our Spanish church here today, uh, along with Pastor and Mrs. Ramirez, and they had a big church meeting yesterday uh, with a few different churches from around southern Idaho, and we're always happy to see them and blessed by their presence in second service today. Luke chapter 2, verse number 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, 
And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. And I always enjoy reading through that. And uh, I love to hear children read that passage. I love to hear the passage read in other languages. It's just a beautiful picture of what Christmas really means. And uh, I was thinking the other day that the knowledge of God is built into the human soul. Uh, every person who gets to the point of reasoning, so not infants or toddlers or maybe those with mental disabilities, but, but all those who understand right and wrong and they understand what the consequences are of right and wrong, uh, they all know deep inside that there is a God, there is a creator, there is a supreme being. The heavens declare the glory of God. Uh, the sun, moon, and stars reveal his creation in every language. It says in Romans 1 that the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. And the concept of God is known in every tribe on the globe. It's really remarkable, uh, anthropologists over the decades have found indigenous tribes that have never been discovered, and they've had absolutely no influence for, for centuries, maybe even uh, for thousands of years. And this is in uh, Papua New Guinea, in the Amazon, in the Pantanal, uh, these little villages they find. And when they get there, here's what's striking. They all have belief systems. Right? Now, now, why is that? How would they come up with a godlike character or figure in these primitive religions? How would they have basic rules in their society that have to do with morality? Well, it's because the knowledge of God is built into the human soul. But, so don't miss this, but the knowledge of Jesus is not built in. It must be acquired. It must be preached. It must be spoken. It is not innate. It is not inherited. Now, that's why the message that we see this morning is so important to all of us, whether we know about Jesus or not. Now, next Sunday, 
We're going to be talking about wise men who left their homes to follow a star seeking the Christ child. And we would have to re, uh, really realistically call them uncommon people. Now, they were highly educated, obviously, uh, highly trained in astronomy, had the means to travel long distances, and uh, there weren't a whole bunch of guys around in the world today that had that. Um, <coughs> excuse me, I'm going to have to pop in a cough drop. We're not on the live stream, though, so I can, I can make as much noise as I want. Okay. Uh, not, not a lot of guys like these wise men, though. But today, we're talking about the most common of the common, shepherds abiding in the fields, right? Uh, they represent the huge majority of people who haven't really been trained in astronomy, uh, who don't really possess camels and gold, right? Anybody have any camels here today? You guys have any camels, like the animal camels? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're just average Joe and Jane living our lives just like the shepherds, doing their jobs, getting by, working third shift, right? Anybody in here ever worked third shift? Oh, Wow, what a gruesome shift that is, right? And, and so we looked this morning at some things about the shepherds in our message on this Christmas Sunday. And we're going to use four different words or phrases to discern how most of us are like the shepherds. And we begin with the word unaware. Unaware. So we're kind of like the shepherds. Unaware. Have you ever been to a restaurant? Maybe it's been a while, <laughs> but, but you were at, a, at your favorite restaurant eating, your favorite meal, savoring every bite, enjoying the atmosphere, enjoying the people you're with, and then somebody at the table starts looking at your plate, and then they look a little closer, and they look a little closer, and then they say, I think I see a bug in your food, <laughs> Right? Or they say, I think I see a hair in your food. Now, let's be honest. In Idaho, for a lot of people, that means you take the bug out and keep eating. That is your favorite food. Uh, but, but for some high society people, uh, once you are made aware that there is something in your food, your appetite is gone. Right? It vanishes. And here's the thing. When you were unaware... Everything was fine. It was great. You were blissfully unaware, right? And in fact, you could have just chomped on the thing on your plate and never even known. But you know what changed everything? Knowledge. Knowledge changed everything. And in an opposite fashion, that's where the shepherds were that night. As they watched their flocks, they were unaware. Now, their unawareness wasn't about something bad. Uh, they weren't aware of the greatest thing ever. But there they were, just minding their own business, unaware. And presumably, these Jewish shepherds believed in God the Creator. And yet, they, like the rest of the world, were completely oblivious to what was happening in a Bethlehem stable, not far from where they watched their sheep. They didn't know 
about Jesus. They were unaware. At some point, you were unaware of Jesus too. Now, if you grew up in church or you grew up where your family read the Bible every day or, or talked about Christianity, you may not remember when that was, right? Uh, like, I'm pretty sure that I was in church every Sunday beginning the Sunday after I was born, right? So I, I don't know when the time came when I first heard about Jesus. I mean, I was praying, like, out loud prayers when I was, like, two years old. Yeah, that's how it's been with our kids. And, and so you may not remember that, but if you came to Christ as a teenager or an adult, you might remember when somebody made you aware of Jesus. Do you know there are billions of people on earth right now who are unaware of Jesus and the reason why he came to earth? And, and the fact is most of these people even worship some type of God or gods. But they have no knowledge of the Savior. They don't know that he came to pay for their sins. They're unaware, just like you were unaware, just like the shepherds were unaware. But then something amazing happened, and it's our next word, announced, announced. So we go from unaware to announced, verse 9, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And, and so announced, Jesus is announced. There is no more unique or historic announcement than the one given by the angels to the shepherds. Nobody has ever announced anything this way. Right? Now, you have to go back in your mind. This is before electricity. This is before artificial light. This is before you had a flashlight at your house that had 3,000 lumens. Right? This is before uh, you had a, a light on the front of your Jeep that, you know, could basically make a forest lit all at once. This is before all that. And here comes this light down on these shepherds in the middle of the night, and wow, it was bright. I mean, it was so bright that it literally, they shielding their eyes from the light. And that's why the angel, his first words are, fear not. And you can see that they had officially been made aware of a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And it was absolutely good news. A Savior had been born unto them, unto all people. And can you imagine hearing this announcement as the heavenly host joins the angel and begins to sing to these shepherds? That's incredible. And uh, now I want you to go deep inside your memory right now. I, I know it's hard for some of you to go deep inside your memory because you're thinking ahead to lunch. <laughs> You're thinking ahead to snacks and Christmas goodies. But oh, I want you to go deep inside your memory right now and try to remember a time when you have been given good news, like great news, amazing news, life-changing news. 
Can you remember? Show hands. Think deep. Can you remember? Now, I'm just going to go ahead and guess that this great news may not have had anything to do with a sports team or a piece of property or a possession. You know what it most likely had to do with? People. People that you care about deeply. And I'll just go out on a limb and say that if the best news you've ever heard had to do with a possession or a sports team, you haven't had a very happy life. So far, anyway. I mean, if, if hoping that the Buffalo Bills win a Super Bowl is what your happiness is riding on, you have not been happy. Right? They lost four in a row. You guys remember that? Yeah, back in the 90s? Ouch. Now, in November of uh, 1998, Amy and I had lived in Boise for about six months, and we'd just taken over this tiny church plant in the north end of Boise in a Salvation Army chapel. And we didn't have any kids. Uh, we had a couple dogs and a Persian cat that we got once when we couldn't have anything but a cat in an apartment. And over the years we'd been married, we, we couldn't have any kids, and so we accumulated animals, um, domestic animals. Amy domesticated a dwarf rabbit that lived in our, in our house, and it would, you know, hop all over the house, and you'd walk right behind it and pick things up. I just won't get into that. And then we had a, a pot-bellied pig that lived in the house and went out the dog door like the dogs did and came back in. But it was smarter than the dogs. It would actually be able to put a blanket up on the couch, get underneath it, and watch television. So basically smarter than some teenagers. <laughs> and, um, but we, um, <laughs> we had uh, all these different animals. And so by the time we got to Idaho, we'd whittled it down. And, and we had a couple dogs and a Persian cat. And we had recently completed the state's uh, training for foster care and adoption, where they told us, uh, explicitly, they kind of did it laughingly. They're like, if you expect to get a little blonde-haired, blue-eyed baby under two years old, you're dreaming. It will never happen. And we don't even really know why they said that, because we hadn't asked for a blonde-haired, blue-eyed baby. <laughs> we, we had marked uh, on our form that we would be willing to consider all different types of children with all different types of needs. And as church planners... Uh, we didn't have any money, and, and we're in the process of going to as many churches as we could and praying that they would be able to financially help this church plan. And, and so I had a Friday night meeting at a missions uh, conference in Oak Harbor, Washington. And uh, so I flew to Seattle, and Amy's dad picked me up at the airport. Uh, he had asked if he could be my driver for the meeting. And so we were going to take the ferry uh, over to Oak Harbor, and then try to make the late ferry back, go to his house in Olympia, and then I'd kind of hang with them until Saturday when I flew back. Well, after I got in the car, he told me I was supposed to call Amy at home. And so I called her, and just so all you teens and young people understand, this was before text messaging. Okay? I know this is hard. Before text messaging. How many of you have no idea what I'm talking about? It's before text messaging. In fact, 
most people back then still had their phone on a wall in their house, right? And the phone didn't have a screen. Like, you couldn't watch movies on it. And it didn't play any music unless you called and got the time and temperature, and then there was a music thing that played. You guys remember calling the time and temperature? Like, how dumb were we? It was like, buy a clock, buy a thermometer. But I don't even remember when I was a kid. That's one of the numbers we always knew was the time and temperature number. Now you call, it's 3.23 p.m. and 59 degrees. Now kids just ask Siri what time it is or what the temperature is or Alexa. They may ask Alexa. Um, but anyway, so we get to Seattle and he tells me, you've got to call her right away. So I called her and she is excited. She can barely breathe. She's spitting words out quick. And uh, she's not been known really to be a talkative person. <laughs> I know it's hard to understand this. So anyway, she says, health and welfare just called, and they want us to meet an 18-month-old little boy tomorrow morning, morning at 9 o'clock in Boise. And he's ready right now to be placed for adoption. And they called us, and so we got to go because if we don't go, somebody else will go. And it's just, just, and she's so excited. I was excited too. But for me to get back in time, I would have to change uh, to the earliest flight, which I think was six-something Seattle time in the morning. And, and so we drove to Oak Harbor for the church meeting. And then Amy's dad drove me back to the airport, and I slept on the floor in the Seattle airport for a few hours before my flight. And back then I was 26, so that was still doable uh, without multiple chiropractic appointments. Well... Uh, Amy picked me up in Boise, and I still remember we ate breakfast at the Copper Kitchen by the airport. And we're eating breakfast, and we're looking at the watch because we're anxious. We're counting the minutes till our meeting. And then we drove to the house uh, where the little boy was staying with his foster parents. And that's where, ironically, we met little blonde-haired, blue-eyed uh, Cody James. And he is now 23 years old, and he's, uh, he's quite a guy. But if you've seen him lately, I do apologize, um, because he thinks that he can grow a beard, and he thinks he's, you know, with his hair, he thinks he's Elf. You know, do you remember the guy Elf um, this time of year? But uh, that was good news, great news, life-changing news. And I bet you've had some life-changing news, too. You know, the shepherds received an announcement that was better than any announcement before or since. Now, there's nobody who can top their announcement, right? We get into these good news stories. I'm sure everybody's got one. Theirs is the best one ever. Well, what was announced to them? For unto you is born this day a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. That's pretty good news. That's the best news ever. Now, our next word is found. Okay, so unaware, announced, found. What if the shepherds had heard this incredible news delivered by the angel choir, and they said, wow, that, that was really something. And then they went back to taking care of their sheep. Right? 
that would have been good news wasted. That would have been awareness without realization. I mean, that would take the shepherds completely out of the manger scene. They didn't do anything with the good tidings of great joy. And yet that's the way that way too many common, average, everyday people have done with the good news of Jesus. They know about the announcement, but they've never found his salvation. They've never left the field of their own life and their own cares to go and seek for the Savior. And uh, look, the, the knowledge and the awareness of a Savior are important for everyone. But they aren't enough. Because knowing about Jesus is not knowing Jesus. Uh, a head knowledge and a heart relationship are absolutely different things. And the shepherds could have waited. You know, hey, as soon as the shift is over, we'll go. We'll get there as soon as the schedule opens up. When things slow down a little. You ever heard anybody say that? When things slow down a little, we'll get the garage cleaned up. <laughs> right? When things slow down a little, we'll get this done. Look at verse 15. Look at some of these key words. It came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one to another, let us now go. Let us now go, even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known to us. And they came with haste. They said, let's go right now. And they came with haste and found. They found the babe lying in the manger. And, and the faith that they showed is the only path to Jesus. By grace are you saved through faith. Not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. As Paul would later write, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him. The songwriter John Newton captured this word picture of salvation in Amazing Grace. When he wrote the words, I once was lost, but now I'm found. And we all relate to that. No matter where you're from, no matter where you grew up, uh, you've been lost before. And when you were a kid, maybe you got lost at the grocery store. Right? That's pretty terrifying. It's not, uh, it's terrifying and embarrassing that they called your mom's name over the loudspeaker. Right? That's just a kind of a balance. You got lost uh, on your bicycle before. You got lost in the woods before. Uh, you probably, if you're a guy, you got lost in a car before, but you still have never admitted it. Right? <laughs> you still tell your wife, well, it's because the GPS was wrong. Right? Uh, or you tell her, it's because I got bad directions. Uh, but we've all been lost. And then, if you know Jesus, you've been found. I I once was lost, but now I've found, was blind, 
but now I see. So why would anybody, why would anybody think that they don't need to find Jesus like the shepherds did? But why would anybody think that the good news is unnecessary for their lives? The shepherds, they may have been considered the lowest class of society. You know, they were smart enough to simply follow the good news. And, and the people who don't follow the good news or won't follow the good news are in one of two conditions. They're either living in ignorance, and nobody's told them who Jesus really is, and they legitimately need that information, or they're living in idolatry, where they know who Jesus is, but they refuse to make Jesus the Lord of their lives. When I was a kid, around Christmas time, my mom made all sorts of Christmas goodies, and I don't know how she did them. Like, there were so many tens out there. Like, what in the world? How could you make that many? Because yeah, I tried to make a Christmas goodie once, and it, like, blew my whole day. And then it wasn't like hers. And so I gave up. And so now I just eat all the Christmas goodies that people give me. Um, that's not a hint. Like, I don't need any more. But, but mom would make, she made brittle and divinity, peanut clusters, and snowballs, and peanut butter balls, and fudge, and uh, the little um, peppermint, like, square things. I don't even know what they are. And all sorts of great non-fattening stuff. And um, each in their own little metal tin. And, and the thing is, uh, when word went out in the house that she had made another item, I never once said, you know, I'll just wait till tomorrow. And I didn't even say, well, after everybody else gets one, I'll have one. You know what else I never said? First, I need to see a list of all the ingredients. Now, show me the list of all the ingredients. No, I was smart enough to know that when you are offered a sugary delight, you receive it immediately. You don't want to offend the cook. And so Molly, she had all these tens, and she'd let us try one. And then she said, okay, now we have to make up plates. Make up plates? What in the world? You want to give away our Christmas treats? And we'd get these plates out, and we'd take one out of every treat, and put it on a plate, and cover it up, and we'd take it to the neighbors, and the teachers, and whoever else. And I'm looking around like, are these people worthy of our Christmas goodies? Like, doesn't it, wouldn't it be better if we ate them than if we gave them to that person? Right? That person legit looks like maybe he's had Christmas goodies before. I'm a skinny little kid. Right? When I was in fifth grade, I wrestled at 58 pounds. Did you hear what I just said? Right? There are gallons of milk that were heavier than I was in fifth grade. I needed the Christmas goodies. But, you know, we had all that going on. Isn't it interesting in modern times, uh, you know, we're afraid of, uh, we were afraid of offending the cook, but a lot of people in modern times are afraid to offend absolutely anyone but Jesus, right? 
find them, they're afraid to offend this person at work or this person here and this friend here and that person. And they follow all sorts of other things uh, to stay in good graces with their friends and loved ones. You know, they say, if we, if we have time, if, if we get to it, if it's comfortable, if it's convenient, if nobody complains about it, then we'll follow Jesus. And I think it's time that we get this urgency that the shepherds had. They said, let us go now. And it's time that we come with haste. No excuses, no objections, with simplicity, and bow the knee before Jesus. And this third part of the message is where a lot of people get stuck. Because the truth is, uh, we're not really unaware. And if you were unaware, you're not now because you just came and heard about Jesus. Uh, we've had him announced to us, and we may have even found the truth of who he is, but yet this is where we get stuck. And, and if you get stuck on the third part, you can't even get to the fourth part. If you aren't even willing to act upon the good news that you've been given, then there's no way you do what the shepherds did next. Verse 17. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered of those things which were told them by the shepherds. You know, it would have been unthinkable for the shepherds to go and find the Christ child and then share the news with no one. Now, who would do that? That doesn't even make sense. Good news is made to be shared, right? When a kid loses a tooth, he wants to call grandma right away and make sure she sends word to the tooth fairy because every kid, for some reason, thinks that grandma knows the tooth fairy, right? And when you get uh, a new puppy, you get a new car, when you get a new job, when uh, you're married, when, when a baby's coming, when a baby's born, good news doesn't stay quiet. I mean, some people can't even wait till Christmas to tell other people what they got them for Christmas. Maybe you have somebody like that at your house. My brother-in-law, Cole, a lot of you know him. He used to work on staff here at Centennial. I don't think he's ever wrapped a Christmas present in his life. Because within hours of him buying the present for somebody, he's got to give it to him. Right? Not bagged. You know, he'll give it to him in the Walmart bag that he got it. Right? He's a, he a high-class shopper. Um, he give it to him. Why? Because he just can't stand that they don't know what it is. And some people are like that with gifts that they give. Some people are like that with gifts that they get. Right? Like how many of you legit, you've ever pre-opened a Christmas present, didn't tell anybody, and then, you know, redid the wrapping paper? Like legit, you've done that. Yeah. Some of you are lying right now. Shouldn't, shouldn't lie on Christmas Sunday. All right. It, how many of you haven't opened it, but you peeked in, there was a corner of the wrapping paper that wasn't sealed, and you, like, looked at that, right? How many of you at least, 
like shook it a little bit. Yeah, because you want to know what was given to you. You want to know about the good news in that package. Look, if we aren't ever worried about sharing good news related to the stuff of this life, why would we be worried about sharing the best news ever? Right? It doesn't make any sense. We're, we're not worried about telling people we got a new puppy. We're not worried that we're going to offend anybody if we tell somebody that we got a new scooter or a new car. But when it comes to Jesus, well, I don't want to offend anybody. Right? I don't want to wear religion on my sleeve, right? which absolutely doesn't even make sense. I, I don't want to destroy a friendship. Look, if you can destroy a friendship by telling somebody the truth, I promise you it's not that great of a friendship, right? Oh, I don't want my son or daughter never to speak to me again. And legitimately, where does this fear come from? Where does this anxiety come from? Where does this shame come from? After all, this is good tidings of great joy we're talking about. Well, it probably comes from knowing that Christians throughout the centuries have been martyred for telling the good news. They've been mocked for telling the good news. They've been commanded not to say Jesus' name anymore. And Jesus said that people who hate him would hate his children too. Nobody likes to be hated. But you know what we shouldn't like even more? Standing before God, clutching the good news for ourselves, but sharing it with no one else. Standing before God, realizing that we gave up our eternal witness for momentary embarrassment on the earth. Standing before God, hanging our heads, knowing that we live like we were ashamed of Jesus. And that is a crushing scenario. You know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen to all of us because we've all lived our lives ashamed of Jesus at one point or another. Would you consider this, though? If you're, if you're always ashamed of Jesus, I'm not talking about an instance where maybe you failed or you falter or you kind of denied it. If you are always ashamed of Jesus, then you really have to ask yourself if he's truly your Savior. Right? If you're always ashamed of Jesus, is he really your life-changing redeemer? And if you won't talk to anybody about Jesus, including people who live at your house, how could he possibly be the good news to you that was announced by the angels? It's something to think about, isn't it? And I've often wondered why I've been hesitant to share such good news with neighbors or friends or acquaintances. Maybe you have too. It's almost like there's a spiritual battle going on. It's almost like the enemy is doing everything possible to stop the good news from spreading. It's almost like there's an adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. And I want to encourage you today to remember this. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. 
the early church, first church of Jerusalem, Acts chapter 4, they, they were in a difficult situation because the authorities had called them in and explicitly told them, we don't want to hear you talking anymore about this Jesus guy. Right? No more. Right? If you post his name, we will shut your Twitter down. Right? If you post anything about him, we will take away your account. I'm just kind of modernizing this for you. Right? If you talk about Jesus anymore, that's it. Because here's what the authorities thought. If we could get people to stop saying his name, nobody will believe in him. Let's look back a couple thousand years. How'd that work out? It seems like his name's become pretty popular around the world over these 2,000 years. But the early church is told this, and, and Peter stands up before the council, and he says, listen, we're just talking about what we've seen and heard. All we're talking about is what we've personally seen and heard, and neither is there salvation in any other name. For there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And they went back to their assembly where the church had gathered. And you know what they prayed for? They didn't pray that God would change the authorities. They didn't pray that God would take away the persecution. They didn't pray that God would change everybody's mind. They prayed for boldness that they would continue to speak the name of Jesus and to speak the things that they had seen and heard. And God granted them that with all boldness they preached the Scriptures. And as we ask God for boldness, He empowers us to be ambassadors of good tidings. We today are left with this sobering verse, and it's in Romans 10, 14. Romans 10, 14 comes right after uh, this sentence, and maybe you've heard it before. It's Romans 10, 13. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Okay? Pretty simple verse about salvation. But listen to Romans 10, 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard. And how shall they hear without a preacher? You may remember we said at the beginning of the message today, no one is born with the knowledge of Jesus. Nobody is. It is a fact that is only gained through someone telling us who he is. If you're a Christian, somebody told you. If you're not a Christian, we told you today exactly who he is. He's the Savior, Christ the Lord, the only payment for the sins of mankind, the only path to God, the only escape from eternal death that we have earned through our sin. But listen, if we don't tell them, how will they know? The shepherds told everybody they knew and a whole bunch of people they didn't know. They were equal opportunity good news sharers. And so the message today is don't keep the good news to yourself. And in our faith challenge, uh, we, we make a statement, and I, I hope that you'll uh, kind of latch on to this last thought. 
being made aware of Jesus is an eternal privilege. It really is. If somebody told you about Jesus, you have been eternally blessed. There are billions of people who've never heard about Jesus, and you're no better than any of them, and neither am I. We're all sinners in need of a Savior, no matter where we were born, what nationality we are, what socioeconomic settings we're born in, we all need Jesus. And if you have been told who Jesus is, count that as an eternal privilege. It's an eternal privilege, but it's also an earthly responsibility. It's an earthly responsibility because if you've been given the good news, you are called to share it with everyone you possibly can. And it's an earthly responsibility because you can't do it in eternity. Once you leave this earth, you will never be able to share the good news with another soul. And so now is the opportunity for which God has left you on the earth. And while you're doing everything else at this time of year, don't forget the reason God has kept you on the earth is to share the news of who Jesus is. And so the shepherds, they made known the saying that had been told them by the angels. And, and so Christmas is such a simple thing. It really is. Everybody has the knowledge of God. But we have to be told about Jesus. And if you've been told about Jesus, you have a responsibility to find Jesus and to make Jesus known to everybody around you. Let's pray together. God, thank you that we can come and worship you on this Christmas Sunday. Thank you for all those who could come in person to worship today. And we do pray for those uh, who are away from us for various reasons. We pray for families that are hurting. We pray for people who are discouraged. We pray for those who are living in anxiety and fear. And we pray that we would take this good news, these good tidings of great joy, and make them known to all the people around us without fear, that with boldness we would proclaim who Jesus is. Guide us now from this place, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.